Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. 52 women in Ontario were killed by a spouse or partner over the last year. On average, that is one woman per week. It is a shocking statistic. The danger to women in abusive situations has grown since the beginning of the pandemic in 2020. And while measures related to the pandemic have changed, the increases in violence against women has not. In fact, it's worse. Earlier this week, on the National Day of Remembrance and Action on Violence Against Women, it was a stark reminder. Nancy Johnson, Executive Director of Cornerstone Family Violence Prevention Centre, will walk us through the numbers and shed light on the complex web of issues that make it so challenging in Northumberland and everywhere else. I'm so pleased to have with me today Nancy Johnson, Executive Director of the Cornerstone Family Violence Prevention Centre. Welcome to Consider This. Thanks, Rob. A recent report was released with some shocking statistics about the rise in the number of women killed due to domestic violence in Canada. Can you tell us about this? Uh, Sure. So we know that um, the incidence of violence against women and gender-based violence is not um, is not getting lower. In fact, it's it's increasing from all the statistics that we're reading in Ontario, in Canada and across the world. We know that COVID-19 and the impact of the pandemic has not been kind to women. Um, And certainly, you know, the global climate that we're living in right now has also, you know, really pushed that tide, unfortunately, of, you know, increase in, in gender-based violence. So, you know, they're connecting it to climate change, to global conflict, um, and other, you know, sort of crises across across the globe and what those impacts are uh, for women. And we've certainly seen it in Ontario. I don't know um, which report you're referring to, Rob, but I know that Ontario Association of Interval and Transition Houses, which we're a member of, um, put out a, a statistic, a really startling statistic that from November 26, 2021 to the end of November in 2022, 52 women, 52 femicides occurred in 52 weeks. So that means, you know, one woman uh, killed each week in the last year in Ontario alone. When you reflect on this, what are the factors that you're seeing in Northumberland that are contributing to this rise, uh, not just in in deaths, but also in violence and abuse over the period of the pandemic? Well, it's been uh, it's been a really rough rough road for for everybody, and certainly, you know, um, us here at Cornerstone, it was a particularly rough road in terms of riding out this pandemic. And what it meant, I think I've been on your show, Rob, during the pandemic. And, you know, when it first happened, our our phones went silent, which was very frightening because we knew that 
that incidents of violence were still occurring and we had to do some uh, education with the community to say it wasn't illegal to leave your home. Uh, we did some public education with the Cobra Chief of Police about, about that. So what we knew is, you know, the, the economic stress that people are under has certainly um, created some extra pressures in families. And that's not to say that that's any excuse for gender-based violence, but we know that there can be that powder keg of, um, of, of issues that occur. Certainly women, you know, bear the brunt of caregiving in, in homes and in our communities as well. Uh, there's been issues with, you know, um, just the economic crisis and how that has uh, impacted women and marginalized women even more so. So we talk about intersectionality and what that means. And certainly we see a much higher incidence of violence against women in, uh, in, in Canada with Indigenous and Métis women as well as gender diverse women. So, you know, it, it's really been sort of, unfortunately, a, a perfect storm. You know, when we talk about gender-based violence as a pandemic within the pandemic, and that's really what, you know, what we've been talking about over the last, however long we're in this now, two and a half years, almost three years. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of, um, there, there's a lot of, you know, reasons why this is occurring. And, uh, you know, as as we know, with any sort of global crisis, which is this pandemic, uh, gender-based violence, rates of gender-based violence increase. Um, and that's just been something that, that has been historically noted. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, women have bared <clears throat> extra pressure and extra brunt of, of what's been occurring. You've said a lot in there, and I'd, I'd like to sort of tease out some of the points because I think there's a lot more to the complexity of what you've just described. For example, when you talk about the pandemic, I mean, that was that was the pressure of, of uh, being isolated. We were going through all these things medically that we needed to do, all these precautions we needed to take. We're now sitting at, at a very unusual spot where a lot of uh, those pressures now are no longer there. I mean, we're still masking and washing our hands and doing all the good things, but some of that's been relieved. Yet, the economic pressures are not being relieved. And when you look at interest rates and inflation, and I mean, all you got to do is go to the grocery store to to get a, a, a big wake up call as to, you know, the kinds of things that are there, those seem to be carrying on. Are you seeing then the trend continuing, even though other measures related to the pandemic are being alleviated? Mm -hmm. I think the economic downturn is is very, very significant. And I know that I've talked about this in the past, the um, the challenges with women leaving violent relationships before they get even more toxic and more dangerous uh, is more is much more complicated when there's economic issues and financial constraints and financial pressure. Uh, I don't have to say too much to you or the, your listeners about the housing crisis that we're experiencing um, here and across the country. And, you know, it is a housing crisis. And, you know, women are staying with us longer and longer, Rob. Um, those those times of them staying in the shelter continue to get longer because there there is literally nowhere for people to go. So that, that's been challenging that we've been having to turn women away. So I think in some respects, respects you know, when 
uh, women would see warning signs of their relationship not going um, in a positive direction, they might have been more inclined to leave earlier. And I think what we're seeing now, and this was throughout the pandemic, and I think we're still seeing it now, is women are staying because their financial uh, situations are, are quite dire. And we also look at, you know, the provincial bill, Bill 124, um, most of those, you know, the the constraints on, on salaries are mostly sitting with, you know, um, helping professionals in the public sector, um, certainly nurses and our organization as well, um, that, you know, there's no, um, you know, we can't offer any more than a 1% wage increase. And if you look at sort of the rate of inflation, that's pretty crazy. And some of those people are the most uh, underpaid in our community. So it, it always is phenomenal to think about how everything is is woven together. It's it's never one or two threads. It it's always tied into so many other factors. Another factor that we haven't talked about though, and and what I thought was uh, rather shocking as well, was that the Canadian Femicide Observatory for Justice and Accountability said that across Canada, of women killed through domestic violence. 45% live in rural areas with populations mm -hmm. less than 10,000. I mean, that's, yeah. you're almost describing Northumberland County. Yeah, I, I agree, Robin. I don't know if I've ever read that statistic quite so clearly. And what they talk about is it being non-urban. So it talks about rural as well as small town, which is certainly our Northumberland County. So yeah, that was uh, that was pretty shocking for me as well. We've known that you know the rates are often higher in in rural, but they're talking about non-urban. So you know our our smaller towns are also having a having a higher rate um, of of femicides and and murders occurring. The National Action Plan for Violence Against Women and Gender-Based Violence reported 6.3 million women and girls experience sexual violence in their lifetime in Canada. What are we seeing locally? Do you have any numbers that you can share with us? What are we seeing locally in terms of numbers? Um, I can't share. I mean, certainly here at Cornerstone, I can talk about, you know, what, what we're seeing here and the numbers. The numbers continue to tick up as they are, you know, across the province from what I'm hearing with, you know, with my other compadres uh, who run organizations similarly. So, you know, we can we can look at our statistics and yes, the numbers are going up. And I think, you know, across across the county, we we are seeing that. And, those, you know, the, those pressures to keep up with with demand for service. We're also seeing, you know, the impact of um, the impact of, of violence with our with our youth and an important initiative that we have um, reintroduced as a result of what we're seeing in our community is our school-based prevention program. So we we ran that program for many years. We paused when we lost fun some funding for it. Um, we did some more research with the University of Guelph. And then obviously with COVID, we weren't in the schools for two years. And what we did here resoundingly is that, you know, that uh, teachers were in trouble, schools were in trouble, and our kids were in trouble. So through a, a grant, COVID relief grant that we received from the federal government, we uh, we were able to reintroduce the program in, in our schools. And I think that that's a really important initiative that we've taken over the last, over the last little while, Rob, in, in response to, you know, what we're seeing in terms of, in terms of violence and you know, there's there's an increase in human trafficking that is occurring. Certainly, sexual violence is on the rise. 
Um, and unfortunately, so many of these things go unreported. So, you know, statistics are always like, it's the tip of the iceberg, really, you know? What, what we see is is not what's happening and what I can report is not what's actually happening because there's still stigma about the issue of violence against women, um, that there's bias about what's really happening and, and people don't report it for lots of different reasons. So I always say statistics are, but we can always, you know, it's a lot higher because it's not being reported. For those who may not be familiar with your school program before the pandemic and what you've reintroduced, can you very quickly give us a synopsis of what that involves? Sure. So basically, it's an eight-week school-based prevention program from grade five to grade eight. Uh, We have two different programs. So that one is... We talk a lot about healthy relationships. We talk about consent. We talk about empathy, um, what a good relationship looks like, how to be a good person, really, uh, how to be a, a good, uh, you know, student in your class, how to be a good kid at, with your family. So it's really it's it's about relationships and all those complexities with relationships. We also talk about you know mental health and self esteem. Um, there's lots of different topics, Robin. We started that program. We ran it from 2012 till about 2018, and then um, a limited version up to this point. And then we also work at uh, CCI, the um, Cobra Collegiate Institute, sorry, with Stand Up, Stay Strong, which is a program that we run um, with Cobra Police Services in grades nine and grade 12. So we talk to boys and girls separately, uh, and again, similar similar conversations that we're having, uh, Rob, and certainly with that age group, a lot about uh, consent. Consent is an issue that comes up a lot. And we talk to girls about um, ways to protect themselves. That's where Cobra, uh, Cobra Police comes in and offers some really basic self-defense. And it's not a you know, you need to use self-defense to get out of a, a get out of a dangerous situation. It really is more about uh, providing some empowerment to young women that if they, you know, were in a position uh, that something like that occurred, that they felt they they had a little bit more empowerment. We always want to be careful, though, about, you know, it's not a shaming and blaming if something happens and, you know, um, that, you know, that y- you didn't use your self-defense. So we're, we're very careful about how we how we frame that out, Rob, because we know that most most violence occurs between people that know each other. And it's not the stranger danger stuff. When we spoke during the pandemic, you mentioned that because of uh, health regulations, you had to reconfigure a a lot of the shelter services that you provided. Now that we're in this phase that we're in, um, are you still reconfigured or are you able to open up some spaces and and take in more, more people? Yeah, we're back to full capacity now, Robin, have been for quite some time. So we had to follow um, regulations from public health as well as our as well as our funders. So that really dictated how many people we could have in. Could we have a woman sharing a room with another woman? Um, but now we are back to back to full capacity. So, you know, we're, we're we're still wearing masks. We've gone back and forth with wearing masks since this latest sort of, you know, crazy virus uh, place that we're in, we are back to masking and asking women to mask if they can. 
uh, to just, again, try to, you know, keep things safe and healthy. When we've spoken before, uh, you would often say that you were oversubscribed, that there was always pressures, that uh, there were more people in need than there were of spaces. Is, is that still true? Yes. Yes, very much. So in, in all of our programs and in, you know, in our shelter program, as well as our community counseling program, um, our we have intensive case managers who are, you know, we it, it's a new position that we've created because we're seeing complexities, real complexities with the women who are reaching out for help. So we're seeing women with significant mental health issues, substance use issues. Um, so, you know, that that intense sort of level of um, level of service and programs that we can offer them was was a real need. So we've, you know, we, we remain agile. I like to think of us as pretty agile and respond to respond to the needs. But we're definitely seeing as I mean, all my all my, um, you know, compadres around Northumberland County are saying the same thing, that there's just an increase in, you know, the, the complexity of, of the needs that we're seeing with with women, men, children and youth. Since we're talking about programs, besides the one that you just described, are there other new programs that you're, you've introduced in the last year that uh, you might want to talk a bit about that are, again, trying to meet some of the demands that we're seeing in the community? Um, I think we're we're pretty much doing the same things other than, other than you know, um, our, our school-based prevention program and our intensive case managers. So our our case managers is the that's still being funded through a, a stream with the provincial government. We've just there's there's quite a bit of uh, latitude in terms of how you can use that money, which which is great. And um, you know it's obviously still responding to women who have experienced gender based violence. But we we needed a, a specific set of skills with our staff of uh, responding to those those women with with higher, more intense, intense needs. So sometimes what that can mean, Rob, is less numbers of people, but more time spent with the clients to help navigate um, some of some of those needs, which are which are great. For more than a year now, Cornerstone has administered the Violence Against Women Clinical Counseling Services and the Enhanced Child Witness Programming. How how is that going? Yeah, it's going really well. Um, we were able to offer, of course, child witness. We had to do a lot of, um, you know, more remote. We weren't gathering, uh, but we did have our first uh, in-person group that was really well attended um, a few months ago, and that it went really, really well. Certainly, we're seeing an uptake in children and families reaching out for help and support uh, with our child witness program. So we can offer that individually as well as in group. So that's gone well. Certainly our clinical counselor is very busy. Um, sometimes there's a wait list, unfortunately, for, for, her, um, for her programs. But what we always say is we don't just wait list and leave people on a wait list. We'll offer them short, more intensive uh, services if we need that. So we have another program that we call Intake and Brief Services. So Intake and Brief Services ex is exactly that. We'll get you in the door. We'll figure out what you need, provide sort of shorter term until we can get you either to community counseling or if your needs are uh, needing clinical counseling, then we will refer you there. Any sense of how many people you've helped through those two programs yet? Oh, 
this fiscal year, probably a couple hundred, if not more. Wow. Uh, yeah, our family court program is also really busy. Uh, we did receive some increase in, in funding for that. For years, we had eight hours a week to serve the entire county. Uh, we now have um, 16 hours, so that's been a bit of a help. But again, family court, as you can imagine, has been has been really busy, and it was weird and bizarre during you know during COVID. No one was going to court. There were delays, which I don't think was was kind to women and children experiencing family violence. Uh, that there were some delays in getting court orders and those sorts of things. So yeah, it's been it's been challenging. You mentioned earlier in our conversation uh, about housing, and I know that there was a project that was going on on University Avenue that was to open up some potential uh, transition housing or some permanent housing uh, for Cornerstone. Am I remembering this all correctly? Yeah, if you're referring to Balder Corporation that yeah. built um, built uh, apartment rental apartments at University and William, let's get William and Burnham mixed up. Um, yes, so they've given us um, a, a couple of units at affordable housing rates. So we're we're working with working with Balder, and we're also working with um, you know a couple other initiatives that I can't yet speak about. Um, but you know it's something that we're you know we're digging in and trying to find some solutions to um, you know figuring out our backlog in the shelter and how we can bring more women and children into the shelter and, you know, move people on to transitional and, and then hopefully, you know, permanent housing. So um, we're always looking for collaboration and, and partnerships in the community. And it's something that I'm, uh, yeah, that is really important. When can we hope to hear some news on that? <laughs> I'll keep you, I'll keep you posted. Okay. Indigenous women are especially vulnerable, and that's umpteen reports state yeah. that very categorically. Um, they are, according to some sources, six times more likely to be killed compared to non-Indigenous women. What initiatives does Cornerstone have with local Indigenous communities to help these vulnerable women? We do certainly serve a, a number of Indigenous women that come into our shelter or come in through our community services program. Uh, there is a shelter in Alderville, uh, in Rosneath, called Anishinaabe um, and uh, we certainly partner with them. There's also a Native women's organization in Peterborough that we have worked with, and we are in their catchment area. They have a really big catchment area. I think it's Durham Region, Peterborough, Kawartha Lakes, Northumberland County, which is a crazy huge catchment area so um yeah so we we work quite closely with our uh with our indigenous communities and uh yeah it's it's important to recognize um the high level of occurrences that's happening and certainly put pressure on the federal government to move forward with all the recommendations that have come out of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls across canada and there hasn't been a lot of movement on that. So I think it's important that we continue to pressure local, uh, you know, our provincial as well as our federal government to um, to listen to those recommendations. This week was the National Day of Remembrance for Violence Against Women. 
Why does it continue to be important that we commemorate this day and continue to think about it here in Northumberland? Yeah, I think it's a really important day to reflect and remember what happened uh, on December 6th at Lakewell Polytechnic. And, um, you know, we need to pause, we need to remember, and then we need to take action because this, this um, you know, this isn't going anywhere and the femicide rates just continue to grow. And what we talk about is, um, you know, like race-based hate crimes, um, fem- femicides are lethal hate crimes against women. And that is exactly what happened at Lakewell Polytechnic on December 6th. Uh, and it's important that we remember that and to honor those women uh, who were murdered because they were women. Um, there was no other reason other than he, you know, uh, he 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 targeted those women and called them femi- feminists. Uh, and they were women and they were killed because of that. And that is exactly what femicide is. And we're seeing increased uh increased rates of femicide, right? We couldn't look at the van attack that happened in Toronto. And there's certainly other, you know, Nova Scotia is still under investigation of what what happened there. Um, And unfortunately, these things keep keep occurring. And it's something that we need to stop, take notice of and, you know, work to make some change and to have conversations. And um, yeah, and to never forget what happened. It's hard not to talk about all the statistics and it can sound like a real downer. Is there anything when you look across Northumberland that you see that is happening that's positive, that gives you a, a light of hope that things are changing and attitudes are changing in Northumberland? Uh, I think being asked on shows like this, Rob, shows that people want to have these conversations. Um, that That brings me hope. It was certainly many, many years that you weren't asked by people to have an interview or to to talk about this issue, right? It, it was very, um, it was very hush hush. So we like to keep a very public profile, and we do that public profile in order for the issue to not be silenced. Um, you know, people know where to find us, and again, people are like, should should people know where your address is? And I was like, yes. The whole point is that women know where to find us. Um, and know know where we are, and we have security in in place. So that's you know that's not our number one concern. And I, I think we have tremendous support from the community financially. Um, I'm always amazed by how much people um, are willing to dig into their pockets and support what we do at Cornerstone because we know that what we receive from the government is not nearly enough. So we do rely on private donations to keep our doors open and to continue to be able to provide the level of service that we do. So that brings me hope every day. I've always been honored to live and work here um, because I, I I talk about it everywhere I go in terms of how much support we receive here. And people are interested. People want to talk. People want to give back. And I think it's what makes our community so special and uh yeah, I'm always grateful. So what's on the schedule for 2023? Well, um, we will continue continue doing what we're doing. Uh, we have a new strategic plan, so we'll be moving into our second year of our strategic plan. So that's always exciting, looking for new opportunities for collaboration and um, being able to reach more women and children and youth. 
continue with our school-based prevention. And um, yeah, continue to be a great place to work, keep our staff well and healthy. Uh, that's really important to us as well because they've been through a lot and it's hard work. Um, so we will continue to make sure that uh, we're paying attention to our staff in order for them to be able to continue to provide compassionate and uh, exceptional service here at Cornerstone. Nancy Johnson, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thanks so much, Rob. That was Nancy Johnson, Executive Director of Cornerstone Family Violence Prevention Centre. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.